0: Let's do it. <laughs>
1: yeah. Welcome back to another episode of the W. And pack of Podcast, and dude, this is a special, special treat, because why? I'm literally in the Wild Edge booth, baby, dude, out here in PA at the Great America Outdoors Show, and boy, everybody, there is shitloads of people here, nonstop, walking around, they're in and out, coming out, I mean, there's so many people here. And dude, I was able to run into some local dudes I follow on Instagram, and dude, I got one right here in the seat inside the Wild Edge booth. I got my man, Sean Russell. What's up, Sean? How's it going today, guys? Heck Thanks for yeah. having me around today, Chad. Dude, it's been a long
2: time, dude. Right? Yes, it has. It has been.
1: So, what's good with you, my man?
2: Lots have been changing. Now I'm down here on the Eastern Shore. Last we talked, I was out in Ohio doing whitetails. Now I'm down on the Eastern Shore doing sick deer, snakeheads, whitetails, turkeys. So
1: before we get into that, what he's talking about, everybody, this guy's a guide, dude. He's a guide for some, a
2: lot of outfitters,
1: dude. This guy's like the one-shop-all kind of guy. Yes,
2: sir, so, especially now. Down here on the Eastern Shore, that's what we do. We guide. We guide you on everything you want to do. The Eastern Shore is special.
1: So before we get into the whole guide thing, dude, and it's going to be a good one, right?
2: Tell everybody who you are, where they can find you, all that good stuff. Well, you can find me on Instagram. That's uh, Shed Head Sean. I don't remember what my Instagram is right now. I I'll, it'll you, be in the credits, though, yeah, for sure. Yeah, you, got, you can get me on Instagram. You can get me on Facebook. I'm all on that. I'm on TikTok as well. find me there. I'm from Maryland, originally from the western side of Maryland. Now I moved down to the eastern shore, and I live down there in the swamps, always fishing, always hunting, just everything to do with the woods and the water.
1: Damn. So, how old was when you first started hunting?
2: When I first started hunting, I mean, I was a little kid. I, before I could even remember, my dad was taking me out in the woods. But you know, once I got into high school, made some friends, started learning some other stuff, and just took it from the one level to the next, and got into the guiding and. I hunt everything and anything if, if you can hunt it and fish for it i 'm after it right right,
1: hey, so how old were you like your first time that you even harvested anything i mean
2: what, what and what was it? I was fourteen when I first harvested my first animal, that was a deer white tailed deer with a 16 gauge shotgun that my grandfather had passed down to me, so that was a very memorable experience, but I started out deer hunting, and for years that 's all I really did was deer hunt. Um, once I started getting a little older, you know I started getting friends that waterfowl hunted and. And turkey hunted in high school, and that's what kind of brought me into, you know, opening my eyes to different kinds of hunting in, in the outdoors. But I just love being in the woods, man, anything. You know, as far as arrowheads, too, like I love arrowhead hunting, you know, artifacts, all types of stuff like that. You know, oh, shit. Anything in the outdoors. Oh, man. So yeah. you,
1: you're out, pretty much you're out in the field three, six, five,
2: right? Yeah. all year long. That's what, live, breathe, eat, sleep, hunt, fish, and that's about it.
1: Nice, nice. So you pretty much travel from state to state then?
2: Yeah, I travel all over the place. I mean, like I said, I reside in Maryland on the Eastern Shore, and now with the way things are going, I'm kind of getting more full-time with them. But for the last five years, I was just on the road traveling from state to state. Uh, This past spring, I was guiding from Florida all the way up to Maine for turkeys. I hit about nine different states on the way up. I was out in Ohio for a couple years doing deer and turkey hunts out there, and all that just sprung from social media. I met a couple guys on there, and they needed a guide, and I was really into the hunting, and... I packed my bags and I went out west and you're started single? guiding. Yep, you're a single yep. guy. Oh, no yeah. kids. Nope, no kids. So teasing for you rights. to yeah. get up and get up and get it and get it. Yep, I don't. I don't really have anything tying me down. I don't have a lot of bills. I mean, you know, the reasonable stuff. I got a truck payment. I got my insurance. I got my phone bill. But I don't have anything over the top. Pretty, pretty able to just you know get up and go and and do whatever I want to really do.
1: Nice, yeah. nice. So. Before you got into guiding, you just, you would always hunt with your pops? Your... Yeah,
2: with my dad and, you know, with family and friends. And it was nothing crazy. We'd go out and, like I said, mainly just deer hunted. And once I got into the other stuff, it was really just with my friends. Like, my dad was never into the other stuff. My dad works a, a regular job, 9 to 5. He was a mechanic his whole life. So he works hard, up early in the morning, back late, lots of traffic all the time. He didn't like going out and doing a lot of stuff. He'd deer hunt on the, on the weekends, but that's about it. And once I made friends in high school me and my friends started wanting to go out and do things on our own. So my parents would take us out and drop us off at public land spots and say, have at it. And they'd come pick us up in the evening. Whenever we were done hunting, huh. we kind of learned it all on ourself. So
1: your first animal 14 with a 16 gauge shotgun. Yeah. Yep, Blasted yep, that yep, fool. Yep, done, how, yep. How long before did you transfer? transfer? I, I do know you hunt archery. How long before you transferred to shooting some bows?
2: I can't exactly tell you the age, but when I was, when I was in high school, I, I, I started, you know, I gun hunted when I was younger and in middle school and all that. And I actually started out with the crossbow because in Maryland, they took away the law. You didn't have to be handicapped. Originally, years ago, you had to be handicapped for a crossbow. Once they took that away and I was younger, my dad started me out with a crossbow. It was more ethical. You know, I was shooting a low poundage bow. I would practice at home, but I probably shot my first bow, my deer with my bow when I was a freshman in high school. Mm. is when I finally started really getting into with a regular with a compound bow yes and once I got into compound bow hunting that's what took it off from there now I don't even pick up a gun at all really during the right. season right now I, I do all the saddle hunting I use the, the wild edge stuff as well I, I love that type of stuff and all the mobile hunting and getting out there and getting in the, in the dirt it's a whole other, thing, other yeah.
1: ball game right so it's like I'm from Cali right yep. dude there ain't saddles yep there isn't there is now we've been getting some more out there lately but Dude, it's all tree stands. Now people are seeing how different it is. And for the longest time, I never even wanted to try one, dude. I was like, ah! But dude, finally when I did try one, I was like, it is a game changer.
2: Yeah, and, and that was the other thing. Like Growing up when I first started deer hunting, we had one property we went to. We had ladder stands that were set up. We had stands that were set. You went to the spot that you knew you were going to. There was no mobile hunting. It wasn't trying different things. We didn't need climbers once I started getting into the sick of deer hunting and, and that's when I started using a climber <laughs> once you start doing some of that you can realize how hard it is to use a climber out there and that's what brought me into the mobile hunting more but like I said that was all just evolved but I started out just stand hunting in ladder stands and sitting regular spots and in Maryland we're allowed to bait for deer oh. so we would put out corn piles and you just went and sat your corn pile whatever came in is what came in And in, or- can you still use a crossbow in Maryland? Yeah, you can still use crossbow. Any age. Yep, any age can use a crossbow. For, for in archery. Yep, for oh. during archery season. Oh, so it's not, not like Ohio. Call. Nope. Nope, anybody can use a crossbow. There's yeah. no regu- no no limitations on that.
1: Do you see a lot more people with bows or crossbows?
2: It's starting to honestly, probably 60/40 now on the crossbow end of things. You see a lot more guys with crossbows these days. And guys that really don't need it. Yeah, guys that really don't need it. And I, I see it as, yes, they don't need it in an aspect of they're capable of using a compound, but a lot of these guys, they, they claim they don't have a lot of time to practice or whatever it may be, and they could be excuses, but with running the outfit and doing the guiding that we do, I'd rather see somebody use a crossbow if that's what they're more confident in shooting. Right. If, if you're not confident with a compound, it's, it's more ethical to the animal to use something that you're going to actually make an ethical shot with so compared I, to— I And mean, we'll
1: get into the whole guiding thing. Right, but. right just now it's on my the questions here. Yeah, <laughs>
2: yeah, yeah, I shoot yeah, it, yeah, yeah.
1: okay? You guide a lot of people throughout the year, different species. Yep. Do you see more crossbow
2: guys now? It is starting to lean more, yeah, towards more crossbow guys coming to the outfit with us, yeah. More so maybe, too, because a lot of the guys that we have that hunt with us are newer into the hunting as well. You know, a lot of guys that come to an outfit. Now, we do have something special that we do, but a lot of guys, they're trying to learn, they're trying to get into it. they might not have the experience that a lot of other guys have so you see a mixture of both but like I said it's about 60 40 not quite 50 50 but I mean it's close and that's
1: pending on the the state law if you're allowed to even use a crossbow during archery season Mm -hmm. right so the states that you do guide for that's non uh, crossbow for archery you still see people with crossbows but they're coming
2: on a rifle tag no, we don't see many with a crossbow in that situation. You oh. don't see a lot of it. If it's a state that you're not allowed to use a crossbow in as a regular person, if you have to have a permit for that or something, then uh, there's not a lot oh, of Oh, so you can't
1: use that during a rifle season?
2: You can't? Oh, you mean like can you use a crossbow during rifle season? Yeah. So Yes, like, you could, yes. So like, but I don't have that happen very much.
1: Oh, okay. So like in my state, you can get a crossbow, yeah. but you have to have a, a rifle tag Okay. to yeah. hunt that deer. I got you. Uh, and, and, and that's it. So each zone, like I have a, a zone called D11, right? Before the regular general season, before all the orange crapper guys come in, wham, I get two weeks of archery in that zone before anybody gets to step in that, okay? When it gets to, I have an AO tag, which is archery only, every tag, every zone I go into, it's archery only, right? Now, if I had a regular D11, which is a general tag, I cannot use that crossbow the two weeks before gun opens up, when that gun season opens up, I'm allowed to use a crossbow, but not,
2: you know what I mean? Yeah, I see what you're saying. Yeah, we don't we don't have any regulations like that oh. as per se, and and even like the other states I've been in, they don't really have it like that, where where you're not allowed. Where I, I get what you're saying, but no, I haven't had to deal with that at all. Oh, that's that's cool. That yeah, I haven't
1: had to you know figure out a problem with that one.
2: Yeah, yeah, because that's interesting because it definitely throws a wrench in the game then with. What you're able to use and when you can use right, it. Right. So, like, it, for so us, if it is gun season, like general gun season, you can use a rifle, a shotgun, a muzzleloader, archery. You can use anything lesser than the weapon that. Check us out, my
1: man. We're
2: on Apple, Spotify. Thanks, man. You can use any type of weapon that is lesser caliber than what's in season. So, like during muzzleloader season, you cannot use a shotgun or a rifle, but you can use a crossbow or. Compound bow. Gotcha. During archery season, you can use a compound or a, cro- a crossbow. Gotcha. Oh,
1: okay. That's, so anything that's... lesser,
2: it's it's, it's kind of easy for so, us.
1: So I, I, we're gonna get to the guide guys. Yeah, don't yeah, worry, yeah. I know, and you guys are all wanting to hear all about the guide life. And you don't worry, we're gonna get there. Out of all the things that you're hunting as you're growing up, and you're fishermen too, obviously. Yep.
2: What do you like to do the most? I turkey hunting. Turkey oh. hunting is my favorite thing. Oh, turkey is your game. yeah, yeah. Turkey hunting is my favorite thing. I just love the gobble, and I like the game you play with the birds, you know, it's very one-on-one, you're very active, it's not, yeah, you might sit around for a little bit here and there, but you get to move around, you get to call, you get to interact with the bird and the animal a lot more than deer hunting, I mean, deer hunting holds a special spot in my heart, that's what I grew up doing, and I love getting up in a tree, being silent, being there, the peace of it, and being all by yourself, and the animals having no idea you're there, but I also love being able to run around in the springtime when the Woods is coming alive, all the birds are chirping, the blossoms are out there, the flowers The turkeys gobbling, everything's just a beautiful time of year out in the spring. You do mouth calls and all that? I mouth call, that's all I do for turkeys, yeah.
1: So when you started it with a mouth call?
2: Yeah, when I got into turkey hunting, that was what I saw that was cool about turkey hunting. I was like, man, I want to kill a bird with my mouth, like talking to that turkey. Felt like it was a lot more, like I said, one-on-one with the bird compared to just scratching on some slate or some glass. So that's kind of what I mastered from the beginning was a mouth call. Now, over the years, I have now started to use other calls as well. But really, my number one, my go-to call, 95% of the birds I kill is with a mouth call. And last year, I was a part of 39 turkeys.
0: So. Oh, shit. Yeah. Oh.
2: That, that was dead turkeys. I mean, that wasn't even ones that were missed or anything. But. And, and you're, you're, uh, you're using the Nor'easter game call? Oh, yeah. Oh. The Nor'easters is the ones I run. Right. All my sets, Nor'easters. Nor'easter, everything. And, and all your guys, too? That, that's what I, that's what I put, push everybody to use, Yep. And I show all my clients them, too, and a lot of them guys love them. I love the – my go-to is I love the aluminum pot call for when it's nice and windy and when I get tired of using my mouth calls. I'll start cranking on that aluminum pot call. That's probably one of my favorite. My go-to is my mouth calls and my aluminum pot call.
1: Mm. And, And how often do you use the aluminum?
2: I mean, nowadays... Every, every sit? N- not every single sit, but if I'm trying to locate a bird, because I can get real loud on that, it'll cut through the wind nice. So if I'm trying to locate one and figure out where exactly he's at, I'll use that. But when I'm finishing a bird, when I'm trying to kill a bird, I'm using my mouth call. Occasionally, I might purr on a slate here and there, because my slate purr is definitely better than my mouth call purr. But like I said, 95% of the time, I, just, I love using it. And I enjoy the mouth calling to the turkeys
1: oh so how old were you when you started doing the turkey hunting i mean
2: well i killed my first turkey my last youth hunt i ever had because my my father never turkey hunted so i fortunate enough to had a mentor that did some turkey hunting and he took me out so i was 16 when i killed my first turkey and that was on public land at about 11:45 in the morning killed him up on this big oak ridge shotgun and, uh, shotgun yep and that was a action-packed hunt there you know we got on a couple of birds in the morning, weren't able to seal the deal. We went and we just sit first down. First hunt? This was not my first hunt ever. Oh. I would hunted a couple times and hadn't killed one. Okay. But this but, morning we were out there. So
1: when you went, I don't even mean to interrupt yeah, you, but I, yeah, I'm yeah, that yeah. way. Yeah, yeah. But when you started going out the first few times before you did get one, you were getting in the birds? Yeah, and, we always and you already hurt. got to
2: herd them? <laughs> yeah. We always would hear turkeys gobbling. And growing up, before I even turkey hunted, where I lived at, right out my back door, you could hear them gobbling on the neighbor's property. It was private land, and I didn't have permission to hunt there. So I was never able to go hunt them, but I could hear them all the time. So I always got to hear turkeys, and I saw them plenty of times, and, but I never really hunted them. On my first couple of hunts, I heard them. We saw them. Never was able to seal the deal. You know got them to come in or talk back? Yeah, they would gobble back, but you know, it, they would never seal the deal. One reason or another, they would just never all close the distance. And I only, But again, this was only probably two or three times that I went out, maybe like once or twice a year um for the first two years then they said when i was 16 this guy took me out and that morning we ended up getting on a bird didn't kill him off the roost he came out in the field got some hens they wandered off and we went and sat down in the woods and this guy he goes and takes a nap up against the tree and i'm sitting there 16 years old i don't know much about turkey and i'm like man what's what's going on why are we just sitting here doing nothing he told me to make sure i was listening about an hour goes by and i hear a bird gobble two ridges over and I, I woke him up, I was like, hey, Gary, come on, I heard a bird gobble. And he gets up and he hits the crow call to try to locate him, and he gobbles again. It was about 11 o'clock, so we made two runs for it, and we crossed the ridges, crossed a couple of creeks, got over there, got up on the ridge, and before we could even sit down, he was running up the ridge right to us, and we shot him 25 yards, coming right over top of the ridge, and so that was awesome. And, and, and how
1: old were you at that I point? I was 16, oh, I killed true. that one. Oh, And your first one.
2: That was my first one I ever killed, yep. And then after that, that was my last youth season. So from there, I started turkey hunting by myself. And, you know, hit or miss, I never really did too great. Would hear them all the time again, but I didn't know what I was doing call-wise, when to call, what to do, and all that. I didn't have much experience. But went out a lot by myself, started learning a little bit. What really ended up boosting my turkey hunting and really all my guiding experience was the year I graduated high school, I ended up being an electrician. I hated it. did not want to do that. I just wanted to be in the woods. And when springtime came around, I quit my job. And I went turkey hunting every day. And I didn't tell my parents. I would leave the house in the morning, 4 o'clock in the morning. They thought I was still going to work every day. And I would just go turkey hunting. I would hit up buddies and be like, hey, you you want to go kill a bird today? And I would just take different people every day. And that's when I really learned a lot about turkey hunting. I mean, I was out there every day for a month and a half. Yeah, you know, I mean,
1: till your parents found out you didn't work for the record. Yeah, well,
2: till turkey season ended, and then that's when they found out that I didn't work anymore. But, but that's kind of what actually got me into guiding too, because I, like I said, I was out there every day. I was taking other people out there, and I was like, dude, I, this is what I want to do. I want to take people hunting. I want to hunt and fish every day. And there's people around the world that do it every day. Why can't I do the same thing? Right, right. So that's kind of what what ended up making me really want to pursue guiding
1: so when you were going out with your buddies you were doing the uh, the pot call in the, the... Me,
2: no m- mouth call oh, when i was oh. younger i didn't start using the, uh, honestly i mean i messed around with the pot call but i didn't have any confidence in it because i kind of like i said i wanted to master that mouth call for years that's the only thing i used in the woods was a mouth call i never even took anything else with me in the woods once i started guiding and as much hunting as i do now with them I get tired of blowing a mouth call all the time, so I'll change it up. Honestly, just for the fact that I'm out there every day hunting, and I'll blow out all my mouth calls if I blow them nonstop every right. single day. Right. So,
1: so out of all the things that hunt, you'll pick a... Uh, turkey hunt tur- over everything. Oh, yeah. yeah. Even the sika, hunt.
2: Yeah, I mean, sika deer are fun, man, but running around on the ground, t- like I said, turkey hunting, that's, just, that's what really gets me rolling. Thanks, man. Especially, like, my biggest thing for turkeys, too, is... Just the gobbling. Like, I like getting birds up close, personal, and getting them to gobble in your face. A lot of times, my clients, they get a little upset because I'll make them gobble five, six times before I let them shoot them. Know. So,
1: Take my man. We're on Apple, Spotify, iHeart. Check us out, my man. There you go. Thanks, man.
2: But, yeah, so the, the turkey, honey, it, it just, that's what consumes me the most. It's just, like I said, I love running around in the spring, killing birds. Do you do it with a bow? I've killed a couple with the bow. It's... Not my favorite way to do it, but I like. I've done it. They always run off when you shoot them with the bow. I like uh, watching them flop. Uh-huh. Unless you take their head off with them big guillotine broadheads, but I've never done any of that yet. Well, shoot. So out of all the, what made you and
1: when did you start to thinking that? Okay, now you know what I want a guy, dude. Like I mean,
2: well, have you I always, thought about that for a while? Yeah, I mean, I always wanted to hunt and fish for a living you know or at least do that stuff you know as a kid you know you watch tv shows you're like man i want to be on tv everything like that and what i kind of found out was you know you don't have to be the one that's on tv you don't have to be the the one that's behind the camera all the time or in front of the camera all the time i should say but you can also do other things in the outdoor industry to still make a living and do that stuff every day and i get a lot of enjoyment out of taking other people out hunting you know i I was fortunate enough to do a lot of it as a kid, and then, like I said, when I ended up deciding I was going to quit my job and go out there every day, like the things I get to see and experience out in the woods, I always wanted to show other people that side of things as well. But Really, another turn in everything was when I was in high school, I had a a teacher, I I did pretty well in school, and I was doing some college-level classes in high school, and I had a teacher, a biology teacher he made me hate school and realize, man this is not for me like i i'm not going to school i don't want to go to college i want to go get a job and really what i wanted to do was like i said was hunt and fish and like i said it's no different than becoming a doctor there's people all around the world that hunt and fish and do all those different things and make a living doing it it's just taking those steps and figuring out how you can get to that spot And finding your niche in in that industry Mm -hmm. so that's kind of what what made me pursue it but yeah after after high school I kind of decided you know I'm not going to college I started doing the electrical work and I didn't mind that at all but again I'd be in the inside every day cranking screwdrivers and stuff and pulling wire and all I would think about was hunting being in the woods and fishing doing stuff like that and finding ways to make money so that's kind of what what really pushed that and then Like I said, social media, one day I was just on social media scrolling around, and a guy I knew was like, hey, we have an opportunity for a guide out in Ohio. I hit him up, and he was like, hey, call my manager, called him, and he was like, can you be here in five days? And I up and packed my stuff and left in in five days. And and
1: so this is for turkey or deer? That was for deer hunting. That was for
2: deer hunting, yeah. I mean, like I said, my passion was always turkey hunting, but I was going to take any opportunity I had for guiding at all. So they said, hey, we need a deer guide out here. So I took the opportunity and went, and that ended up turning into turkey guiding as well. They ended up doing turkey hunts. They found out I was a turkey hunter, so I ended up guiding for them out there as well for that. One other thing before any of the guiding happened, I ended up, I was, uh, did a little bit of fishing instructing for a year at a summer camp, which that was a really cool experience, too. Got to have a, uh, a school bus, and I got to take kids out on the school bus every day, and anywhere I wanted in the state of Maryland could take them fishing. It was a pretty cool little camp that I got to be a part of. But like I said, just... You know, I've always been the kind of person that enjoys taking others and, and showing them what I get to enjoy every day out, out in the woods.
1: Right, right. Here you go, man. Right on man, we're on Spotify, Apple, iHeartRadio. Give it a listen, brother, you'll like it. Subscribe, hit the follow button. Appreciate you guys. Yeah. We talk about hunting outdoors. Right on my man, appreciate you guys. So you, you go to Ohio. Are you nervous, like, going get, like, okay, oh, yeah. I'm meeting an outfitter now, dude? Yeah, this yeah, like, I mean,
2: I, before this, I've never done anything. Don't know like the that. guy? Nope. Don't know the guy. All I've spoke to was the manager of the operation. Don't know the owner. I mean, I, you know, I did some research online, looked them up. Looked like a pretty good place. Looked like they killed some big deer. I was like, this would be pretty cool, you know, see what happens. Packed my stuff and went out there. Definitely very nervous, but it ended up going great. You know, all the guides met up the first day. We all met up. We all hung out. How many guides? There was seven other guides. Oh shit! So it was eight guides that were there, and we had our manager and then the owner that, had, that operated the whole business. So it was a pretty big, pretty big operation out there. It's called Brushy Fork uh, Brushy Fork Outfitters. Uh-huh. I said I haven't been there for a couple of years now, but it, it was, we killed a lot of big deer out there, and that was definitely my first experience into guiding. Um, ended up going out there just as a seasonal position at first. Went out there for the first season, came home, went back out in the spring for turkeys, ended up. They ended up liking me much more and got more involved with them, and I ended up getting the full-time position with them. So I ended up staying out there and living out there for three years oh. and ran a couple, couple deer seasons and a couple turkey seasons out there. And um, a bunch of stuff happened. I ended up coming home. And after that, you know, I was kind of just wasn't, wasn't guiding. and got back into doing some electrical work and whatnot and was trying to figure out what I was going to do and had an opportunity to go out and guide turkeys up in New York from word of mouth, from guys I had known through guiding and whatnot and networking, and I got an opportunity to go up there. So that was the month of May, and I had to figure out what I was going to do for the rest of the spring. So I was like, "Man, I'm going to try to go down to Florida. So I ended up getting in with an operation down in Florida, guiding turkeys down there. And again, all this just happened through word of mouth and through guiding and through meeting people social media and seeing what I was doing and where I've been going and getting a good name out there and progressing from there and ended up going down to Florida, guiding in Florida for turkeys, guiding in Maryland for turkeys, Virginia, go up to Delaware, New York, Maine. So I just, like I said, this past year, I traveled all the way up the East Coast, started my turkey season the beginning of March, and I ended it all the way at the beginning of June. So three months straight, just turkey hunting, nonstop.
1: Damn. Hey, but before we get into the Florida, let's take a commercial break. Hey, everybody, this is Drew and Ryan with Wild Edge Inc., the OGs in saddle hunting and the creators of the world's most versatile climbing system, the stepladder. Thanks for tuning in to the
2: Wack'em and Pack'em podcast, the only podcast that we sponsor.
1: Check out our webpage at www.wildedgeinc.com for all your mobile hunting needs. And as always, live wild. (laughs) Yeah, and if you're looking for the ultimate, and I mean ultimate first aid kit, you better go out and check out Cal Wynn over there at Survival Outdoor Systems. This guy has the first aid kit for all your needs. I'm talking about if you're hunting, camping, fishing, outdoors, whatever, he has the first aid kit that will save your life, dude. Yeah, make sure you go out and check out Survival Outdoor Systems and when you're at the checkout, if you hit Wacom 24, you'll save some money, baby. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. We're back. Yeah, baby. Hey, so when you were out there in Ohio, you have seven guides. How
2: many, how many hunters per camp were you guys having? So we had four lodges in Ohio. Um, I can't say exactly how many were in each camp because the camps were different sizes. But we were running average around 20 hunters a week between four lodges that was average now during the rut we might take a little bit more during late season we might take a little less so i would average it out to about 20 hunters a week
1: that's a lot of hunters though oh yeah
2: a lot oh shit a lot
1: all archery too right because that's higher right yep
2: yep all archery because it was higher i mean we did run the one gun hunt a year but Ninety percent of it was archery hunting. Uh-huh. Yes. Yeah, and, and
1: so you were each guy who was in charge of like what four clients? Yeah,
2: per se. I mean, each. So the I actually ran a lodge by myself, so I would have anywhere from four to six clients at my lodge normally. So like you said, about four four to five guys, six guys max. You cooking for them too? No, out there we had a cook. They had a cook at every lodge for us. We had four, like I said, four lodges. We had a cook there. They cleaned. They did all the cooking and all that. So all we were in charge of was just taking the guys hunting and doing all the baiting. Because again, Ohio's a bait state. So we were just baiting a lot and, and taking guys hunting. Now, we ran five-day hunts out there. Right. Mm-hmm. So guys would show up on on Saturday, or they would show up on Sunday, they would hunt Monday through Friday, and then leave on Saturday. Gotcha. So
1: And then next client's coming right up in there. Rolling
2: right through. Are you guys
1: picking up from the airport? Or? No,
2: we normally wouldn't. Oh. Um, I mean, on occasion we would, but 95% of the people, they would just drive there. If not, they would fly and get a rental, and they would drive to the place. How many people, like, out of state would go out there? We had a lot of out of state. We had a lot of guys from, like, um, the Northeast area. You know, New York, Vermont, New Hampshire, Pennsylvania. Oh. We had a lot of lo- No we West Coasters. Locals. We didn't really have many West Coast guys. Not really. wonder why. I don't know.
1: Because well, they fucking know Ohio <laughs> got some buck, baby, right? Yeah. <laughs> hey,
2: so you would uh, take out these, what would you guys' just, the opportunities and all that? Ohio is hard to say. You know, I I don't really. Again, this when I was out there, this would be I guess four years ago was the last time I was out there. Now, I mean, we killed a lot of big deer, and we had a 140 minimum out in Ohio, so we were kind of more of a trophy class outfitter. But we killed plenty of deer in the 160s, 170s, 180s. We never killed any that broke 200 when I was there. Uh-huh. But they had a lot of really big deer get killed. I mean, I'd say 40 percent, 30 percent. A 140 minimum? So, yeah, on a 140 minimum. Yeah.
1: So you would lost it. Did you see a lot of bucks were like one twenty five, one oh, thirty. Yep, yeah, yep.
2: Yeah. And they had a thousand dollar fine for anything under one forty. Oh. So, so yeah, they would they would charge you for that. But you know, there was more. They weren't counting inches. It was more if you shot like a really young deer that was way small. That's when you'd run into some trouble. If uh, it was close one thirty five or something like that, they wouldn't get on you about that.
1: So, they just they just didn't trip too much about it. Yeah,
2: I mean they'd be like, hey you know next time make sure it's a little bit bigger. But they wouldn't be like, oh man, you owe me a thousand bucks. It's three inches away. So are you sitting with the, the client the whole no. time? Oh. No. That's the other thing. We don't sit That's with them, you know? Different. So if a lot of guys haven't seen a lot of big deer before, it might be tough for you to know what you're looking at. Right. So it's, it's tough with that stuff. But we would show the mounts at the lodge and show them what they're looking for, and we'd show them trail cam pictures and all that stuff. Oh, the too. stand, especially the yep. sit that they're, Where they're in. Going they're like, to. oh, dude, this has been here. Yep, that's what's been there, and that's what you're looking for, and this is what you're not looking for. You know, if we had deer that were around that we knew were too small, we'd show them those too. Like, hey, if you see this deer, do not shoot this one. <laughs> stuff like that. And, you know, that would work sometimes. But some guys would shoot them. They don't know what they're looking at, and they get excited whatnot. Some guys, they've never shot a 120 inch gear. That might be their biggest gear they've ever killed. So when they see a 120 come out, they're like, dude, that's a giant, you know? But hey. Did it happen much? It, it happened. A lot of people didn't get fined. I mean, it was, again, we're not out there to be on your ass and, and give you a hard time. Oh, and you're talking about the fines from the outfitter. The outfitter, yeah. Oh. Yeah. Because like gotcha. I said that's just a 140 minimal with the outfitter. Gotcha. But, you know, we're trying to get return clients. You know, they don't want to turn everybody away, they're trying to treat people right. So as long as you're doing what you're supposed to do. But, but there were some guys that would just shoot 100-inch deer and not care. You know, like a little basket rack six-pointer, basket rack eight-pointer or something, and they would just shoot it. Oh. So that's when there would be an issue about things. Did that, and that happen a couple times? That would happen sometimes. Not That didn't happen often, but it would happen. There would be guys that would come and say, like, oh, I brought an extra extra $1,000 because I don't care about the fine. I'm just going to go pay it anyway. Like, I'm not going home empty-handed. I'm, I'm shooting something. Oh. Yeah. They'd shoot a spike if it came by.
1: Oh, and you guys are baiting them?
2: Yep. Ohio, everything was baited corn, when corn, they were out there. Yep. And you have to pretty much.
1: If yep. not, the ne- neighbors get it. You right? have to,
2: exactly. On private land, anywhere that's a bait state, if you're not baiting, your neighbor is. So you're going you're gonna to lose out on a lot of opportunity there.
1: Right. and, pretty, and So you're out for pretty much got to fucking set those feeders all year long, right?
2: Yeah, well, Ohio, though, you know, we don't use feeders out there. With whitetails, we don't really typically use feeders. We use just corn piles right on the ground, oh. which it can be a little difficult at times because you might have to go out there every three or four days to go rebait or else it's going to, you know, run out and they're going to stop coming. So now with, with the deer, which we'll get into, but with those we use actual feeders. So those last a lot longer.
0: <laughs>
1: yeah, check out Mountain Bound Hunt. Oh, oh, these guys, Mark and Trev, they invented the new state of the art dog kennels. Yeah, for all you dog-loving guys out there that hunt does ducks. Chuckers, quails, and you got you guys. You got your little pooch. Woo! They got single kennels. They got double kennels. And dude, who knows? They might even get a condo kennel. They, dude, these are all custom made in house. Dude, American made. By the way, we love Americans too. Dude, yes, dude. These guys' kennels are badass, dude. They also got for all you hiking guys out there that like to hunt for these horns that fall around. You horn hiking guys. Woo! He got some pimp ass shed hangers yeah check out mountain bound hunt code and guys dude if you guys literally missed them at the rmef cowboy christmas not to worry they will be in salt salt lake you utah baby oh they will be at the con- uh, palace convention february 15th to the 18th dude stop by check them out i think it, uh they're at booth three three six eight check them out dude yeah come out say hi Pick up some swag. They got hats. They got shirts. They got all kinds of goodies. But mainly, mainly for your pooch, check out their kennels. Yeah, Mountain Bound Hunt Co. Oh, yeah. Oh, I love Mountain Bound Hunt Co. Yeah. Check out ooh, Gator Outdoors. Yeah. Wade, my man out there in Iowa, check out. He got the whole in-house Gator Outdoors. He got the pimp, pimp. Pimp swag, dude. He's coming out, I'm sure, with the 2024 kill hat. Uh, go out there. Check out his website, dude. He has hats. He has beanies. He has hoodies. He got turkey calls. He got grunt calls. <laughs> he got all kinds of good stuff over there. He got king camo, dude. He got bundles and bundles and bundles. Woo! He got men's king camos. He got women's king camos. And he has a youth bundle king's camo, baby. D and you know what, Kings Camo—they look pimp, dude. So if you guys don't even—you guys out there ha- hammering the hills and you literally don't kill anything, because that's fun. thats why they call it hunting and not killing. Check them out, dude, because you'll still look pimp, daddy out there with that swag, baby. Check out Gator Outdoors. Wade'll hook you up. You got any questions? Hit up my man, Wade, and he, dude, he'll get back to you, dude, right away, dude, and he'll let you know what you need, what you don't need, and all that good stuff. Gator Outdoors, we love you. Yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah,
1: and you when you go out and throw your corn, like how much how much corn are you guys throwing out?
2: A hundred to two hundred pounds on the ground a time, and that only lasts three days. Depending on the time of the year, three to four days, it's about it. Oh, like late season when you really want to get on them heavy, that's about all it's going to last. Hundred pounds of corn in September, October, it might last five days, maybe, but. Depending on season. how many deer are in a hood right, exactly. also, right? Yep. Depending on how many deer are there and how much they're eating it and what other food source there is around for them. You know, a lot of times I've seen if there's a lot of acorns, a whitetail will walk right past a corn pile to go eat acorns. Oh. But once those acorns dry up, like white oaks especially, once those are all eaten up and they all dry up, well, then they're going to hit the corn more. If they've got standing beans and the beans are still green, they'll walk right past the corn pile to go eat the green beans. But again, you know, it just depends on the time of year and what other food source they have around late season January when there's nothing else for them they're gonna be hitting that corn hard you get snow you get really cold weather there's times where they'll they'll eat that corn up real quick mm. sick of you, even worse mm-hmm. so all right
1: so you get done with the
2: whole you go back home yep got from perf- Ohio. you're back from Ohio
1: you're back home in Maryland yep. right yep then you just said fuck it I'm
2: I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna reach out to a dude in Florida. Yeah. Well, like I said, I got it, it, before that, I got, I got offered the opportunity to go to New York. The guy came to me and, and asked me to go to New York to go guide turkeys. And again, turkey hunting, that's my, that's my shit. Like I love that, so I'm like, hell yeah, I want to go back and guide turkeys. So that was for the month of May. Well, I was like, what am I gonna do for the rest of the spring? I can't go get a job, and then just quit on him for the month. Like, oh, May's coming around, I gotta quit. So I was like, man, I gotta go find somewhere else to meet or to guide so i ended up going down to uh florida got in touch with a guy down there and that ended up leading from one thing to the next he's actually from maryland but he owns an operation down in florida too so i went down to florida guided with him in florida came back up to maryland guided in maryland and then moved, moved my way up the coast but florida that's something crazy if you've never been down to florida and done any hunting down there that's that's something wild. Right so there.
1: you got the call to go to Florida. So you you so you went to Florida. Yep. You hooked up with an outfitter. What did running they running
2: around in the jungle, man? That's so crazy. So what, what
1: kind of what kind of animals were you hunting in Florida? Osceola turkeys. Oh, oh, just turkeys. Just turkeys.
2: Yep. I was only down there for a month and a half during the spring for turkey hunting last last spring, and that was Osceola turkeys. That's like in the jungle. It's wild. I mean. You got panthers, you got gators, you got hogs, you got pythons, you got seven different venomous snakes that are out there. You got all types of stuff that's trying to kill you. It's venomous spiders. I mean, there's everything, and it's, it's crazy. Damn. You, know, you never know what you're going to come around the next bend.
1: Damn. So how long, how long is the turkey season out there?
2: A month and a half down oh. in Florida. So oh. it starts middle of, middle of March. Down in the south Florida, it starts beginning of March, but where I was at in the north zone, it starts middle of March and goes till beginning of April, so it's about a month long. And then after that, came back up to Maryland, and Maryland season starts middle of April. So then I started guiding here, middle of April in Maryland, in my home area. And then when I went from that, I went up to New York for the month of May and guided up there. So I spent the last, uh, March, April, and May guiding turkeys and ended up killing 39 birds in three months. Shit, dude. Yep.
1: Dude, that is sick, dude. Yep. So did I, that outfitter in Florida? They didn't do anything besides turkey.
2: No, like I said, that guy he's like, actually he didn't from. Trying to get on some gators. We didn't. He didn't. He doesn't do any of that. That guy, unfortunately. So he's like I said, he's from Maryland, but he's big turkey hunting in Maryland as well. So he wanted to expand his stuff and go down to Florida. So what he did is he went down to Florida and got land down in Florida and expanded it off. But he's actually from Maryland. He only goes down for the spring. For turkey hunting, so does he have a guide? Uh, does he have an outfitter in Maryland too? He does. He he guides in Maryland for turkeys and whitetails. So did you go with both with him, both places? Yeah, I went to Florida for turkeys, and I went to Maryland for turkeys with him. Oh, and then from there, I went to New York with another guy for turkeys up there. So I, like I said, for the last couple of years, I've just been jumping around, moving here to there, and traveling, traveling around the states and, and guiding. Dude, and you liking it? Loving it. And now, now, birds, damn. yeah, yeah, yeah. That was a, that was an awesome spring. It was a, it was rough. I mean, it wasn't. And they're easy. all
1: they're all at horny time. They're all r- like rutting, goblin, goblin chasing, r-
2: oh. running right into the calls. Oh yeah, oh. and that's the cool thing. You know, you can start all the way down in Florida in March, and work your way up. And I ended up my season all the way up in Maine the first week of June. So you get, I mean, I hunted from March all the way to June. That's a little bit over three months of turkey hunting. Damn, we're traveling like that, yeah. Damn,
1: and how many hunters would you guys have during those? I mean, it's
2: the same as deer. No, see, with turkey hunting, it's one on one. You know, yeah, exactly. you got to have one guide for one. And you're with them, client. I'm calling. That's what I'm saying. Like when I killed, when I say I killed 39 birds, I guided 39 birds. You know, yeah, I was all, there. All I feel, yeah, you know. yeah, doing the calling, doing all the other stuff, carrying the decoys, doing all that, setting them up, and we were killing birds. So. I would normally have two clients a week, per se, you know, because we run three-day hunts for turkeys. So every three days, I would have a new client. So I don't, I don't know how many clients I really ran this spring, but, I mean, almost every one of my clients ends up killing a bird. So if I, kill, I killed 39 birds, I, probably, I had about 35, I had about 40 clients, because I killed some birds myself. I did kill six birds myself this spring. Mm. So that was into that same number. So I, client-wise, I probably had about 40 clients this year. Damn, that's a yeah. good number, though. I yeah, like,
1: yeah. I mean, you're calling the shit out of me. Yeah, right?
2: yeah, oh, yeah, yeah.
1: Are you going back to those same places we got next year?
2: I'm not. No, not everything's going on this year. So now, with everything being said, we were getting the sick of deer stuff. Um, the operation that I'm now with, that's branded outdoors. That's on the Eastern Shore of Maryland, and we do everything with them. And I'm getting more involved with his business now, kind of settling down and kind of knocking. Well, be, shout them out. Who they are? Branded outdoors. Yep, that's what I'm saying. Branded outdoors in the Eastern Shore of Maryland. We do sick deer hunts, we do whitetail hunts, we do turkey hunts. We just got a bow fishing boat. We're going to be starting to offer bow fishing this summer. We do everything, whatever you want to do. We're going to start doing waterfowl hunting in the years to come, but our bread and butter is the sickadier. Oh, you know that's That's kind of the Eastern Shore special, kind of something that nowhere else really has, any other states. So that's what we really specialize in is a sickadier, and then we do a lot of whitetail hunting too. But...
1: And And... and... So before you got there, this place has already been, yep, this yeah. is what they
2: do. Yep, so my boss, Jake, he's been around for about six or seven years. He started out doing whitetail hunts. About four years ago, he started doing the sickadier hunting. Been doing that now for a couple of years. He brought me on this past year, and I kind of run the whole sickadier side of things. When I say run, I, I'm the main guide for deer. He's mainly doing the whitetail stuff because it's in two different areas. The whitetail is about an hour away from the sick of deer. We do all of our whitetail hunting near Salisbury, Maryland. And all of our sickadier hunting, that's over in Dorchester County. So you can't be in two places at one time. So I mainly focus on the sick of deer stuff because I love sick of deer hunting, man. And the seasons run the same? Seasons are the exact same. Oh. Yep, seasons are the exact same. We go from September till the end of January. But the sick of deer with what I was getting about the turkey hunting, sick of deer hunting, you can call them you can do all the same stuff as you do with turkey hunting. You know, you do sit in a deer stand like, like you do for deer hunting, but you call them, and they're kind of more of a species of elk than a deer. So it's something that's really cool. It's different. Not anywhere else you can do it. And they roar? It's more of a bugle, and it's more of a, honestly more of a whistle than anything. Since they're such small, I mean, a really big stick of deer is a 120-pound stag. That's a big one, and it's a high-pitched whistle. It's normally in sets of three and everything. I can do it for you if you want to have my call. Yeah, I me mean, let you out a little bugle. Well,
1: yeah, everybody, we're gonna get, we're gonna get to check out a freaking sick a freaking car here. Check so, it
2: out. So this is what a bugle sounds like on a sick of deer. Oh. Oh yeah. And it's normally always in a set of three when they bugle. And then the hinds, they mew just, like just like an elk would. Oh yeah, same thing. Just like an elk right. would mew. So that they, they're very vocal animals. And the, frag, the, the, the marsh they live in, there's this stuff called frag grass. If you've never been to the Eastern shore, it's called fragmitis. And this stuff is like 12 foot tall. And it's like a jungle. I mean, there's sometimes you can't see five feet in front of you when you're really? in. Really? Yep. And these little tiny deer, they're only three foot tall, you know? So to be able to survive in that stuff, they've got to talk to each other, communicate and be vocal. So during the, rut, during the month of October, when you're out there, they're bugling and mewing and moaning, and there's all types of vocalizations that you hear out there. And you can hear yeah. it. Oh, yeah, you hear it all the time. Yeah, sun up to sun down and all night long. When it's the month of October, they're bugling and they're rutting. They're going crazy. It's a really cool time to be out there. Oh, shit. Yeah, it's, really, it's a really cool experience. And then you're in the marshes, too. So it's all wet, you know, swampy. And not only the deer, but you get all types of stuff out there. There's tons of eagles and waterfowl, ducks, geese. Swans. I mean, there's just so Are you so hunting much all these stuff. at the same time? You don't hunt them all, but oh. when you're out there in the marsh, you get to experience all of it and see it. You know, the sunrises, the birds, the animals. I mean, it's just a beautiful place to hunt all mm. around in general. We're not hunting them all at the same time, no. We're just doing, you know, and again, we offer different things, but we do them in all different areas. So the sick of deer hunting, Were you sick of deer hunt, we wouldn't be whitetail hunting in that same spot. We mm. do the whitetail hunting in different areas.
1: Are they still in the same areas?
2: They are. They will intermingle. And it, on occasion, we do have whitetails killed on our deer properties, but it's very rare. They, don't, they can't breed together. They're, oh, two that different, was you know, they're two different species. The deer are a deer's family, and the sickadier are part of the elk family. So they can't, they can't breed together or nothing, and they kind of don't really like each other, but they will tolerate each other. Sometimes you'll see them close by. That, and you have together? Oh, yeah, yeah. So every once in a while, you'll get trail cam pictures of deer and whitetail at the same bait site at the same time, <laughs> but it's rare. Oh. You don't see it very often. All nighttime? Mm, not always. Sometimes they're that they a client this year that had two sicko hinds, a mom and a baby come in, and had three whitetail does. All of them were at the corn at the same time. Mm. So well, that was in daylight. So one of my clients saw that this season. And they scrap it up sometimes? Uh, yeah, yeah, they definitely will. Oh. And the sicko deer, their their rack is very narrow and very sharp. They can get up underneath a whitetail and they'll poke them and get up in their throat and stuff, and they can kill a whitetail. So the whitetails are actually kind of scared of the sicko deer. Oh, the sick deer, if there's a high population of sick of deer, they'll push the white tails out. Have you ran across the dead
1: uh, white tail and, you know, got punctured by uh... not
2: that you could say was for sure from that. But I mean, I found dead whitetails that you could say had wounds that may have been from that. One of the sick of deer we killed this year, um, I guess it had been gored by another one at first on initial sighting of it. I thought somebody else had shot the deer. But once we started looking at it more, you could tell it was from a stag that came up underneath its armpit and it stuck him good. Nick, it, it cut him open probably a good five, six inches. And his his meat was all rotting and everything, and it was it was gross. It was pretty nasty, pretty crazy how strong those animals yeah. are. And, and so, living in that nasty muddy water, I mean, it's it's pretty gross. So let's just
1: give the listeners, dude, okay? Yeah. Because we're from California. Yeah. Sitka, you don't, they don't even they only oh, you Google that shit. Yeah. They're, they're, you're not hunting those Sitkas right, right. there, okay? Right. Here's me, Chad. Got my buddy Dwight.
0: Back at it again, folks. Listen, listen what we got here. Listen, come on now. We've been talking about this for the past few weeks after we met up with Mike. And listen, you guys got to get out there. Get out there for all of your outdoor needs, hunting, fishing, archery, all the above. Shotgun, rifle, I don't care. Hell, they may even have a fucking blow dart for you too. But hey, if you want it, they can order it. Who am I talking about? Turner's Outdoorsman. Turner's Outdoorsman. The number one outdoors store in Southern California. I'm telling you, as we said before, and I keep on saying it, they are your store. Archery, camping, clothing, whatever it is that you need, Turner's has it. They are your everything-you-need store. So make sure you check them out. Check them out on on the website, turners.com. Turners.com. And listen, as we said, There are several little stores out there in Arizona, and they're continuing to expand. So make sure you look look them up, check them out. And like I said, 100% customer-friendly. They are what you need. They are what you want. And we said, hey, if you're not satisfied, you let us know because Mike will make sure it gets done. So, again, Turners.com. Turners.com is everything you need in the outdoors, fishing, hunting, and maybe one day they'll start putting in the saddles. Hey, one more thing we forgot to tell you that's even exciting is that Turner's Purchase Riverside Archery, Riverside Archery, so you guys out there who are looking just for a store just with archery, Turner's has it. Turner's, out- Turner's Outdoors and... Uh, see, look at me, get me all fired up. Can't even remember everything I wanted to do. But remember, they purchased riverside archery and they're for your needs so get out there if they have anything you want in archery so listen one more time turners.com turners.com they're your number one store and they're one who always has your needs at hand so thanks again turners we love you we want to come out and a lot of
1: listeners might be thinking like oh i want to hunt a stick of two because they are a fucking cool little animal a little miniature elk that's what it is Describe to the listeners what I would be getting into
2: and what I need. So here's the thing. A lot of people hear stories about sick of deer hunting, and they hear the public land stories. If you go out there in public land, you're going to be in waders. You're going to be in the nasty muck. You might be in water over your waist. You're going through trudging miles into the swamp through this nasty, like I said, frag grass and marsh, and you might step in holes that'll end up put you into all, all the way up to your neck in the water. It can get pretty rough. It's pretty tough. You need waders. You need the whole nine yards. Weight, chest, all the way to the chest. Yeah. Goes high? You, depending on the spot you're going into, you might. Well, how do I know? Well, that's what I was getting at okay. now. If you wanted to get into sick of deer hunting, like I said, with the outfit that, I, that, we, that I'm a part of, we, if you wanted to come with us and do a sick of deer hunt, we make it the easy way of sick of deer hunting. All of our stands, you might be in the marsh, but you're not going to be needing waders. We, we set up our spots where you can use muck boots, knee-high boots. You know, regular stuff that everybody has. You don't need to go out there and get waiters for it. You're not going to be in the water. You're not going to be in the muck. We're not going to be sending you through areas where you're going to be falling and tripping and getting soaked and wet. You know, we're going to take care of you. Cause you guys already did the research. Exactly. And, and We've already set up all of our properties. So as somebody that was coming into it new from out of state that has no idea what they're doing, I would recommend going with an outfitter, because they're going to have everything set up for you. That way you're not going in there and you don't know what you're walking into and what's going to happen or where you're going. Going in there blind, it's not easy. And it's very challenging, honestly, at, to hunt public land for these things. But that's what I was getting at. We have ladder stands. We have ground blinds. We have lock-ons. We have the whole nine yards. We put flags to our stands. We make sure you know where you're going. We have feeders at all of our spots because, again, we're allowed to bait. Now, with sick of deer, I was telling you, whitetails will eat the corn fast on the ground. With a deer, if you put 100 pounds of corn on the ground, it'll be gone tomorrow. 100%. Really? Yep. Some of our bait sites, there's 20 to 30 deer coming in there at a night. And they will clean up 100 pounds of corn in a day. I've sometimes put out 500 pounds of corn. Is it because they're starving? No, they're just, they're different. They're not a whitetail. They act like a goat. They're more like, when there's food around, they won't leave until it's gone. And, like, they love alfalfa. So what we do late season, we'll put down a whole bale of alfalfa, and they'll just eat the whole bale of alfalfa, you know I mean? They love that stuff. So they're different than a whitetail. They eat differently. So what we use to our advantage is feeders, electric feeders. We set them to go off different times of the day. That way you can regulate how much they're eating and when they're going to come. So our feeders, they go off three times a day. So they're all on bait sites with the feeder there, a stand there. You're all set up, the whole nine yards. We mark all of our stands in. You don't have to go in the marsh and get waders on and all that shit. Because, again, we've scouted it out. The way we hunt them, we don't go into the stand in the dark in the morning. Because there's too many deer around. You're going to scare them. You don't know where my stand is as a client. So we let you go in there at 8 o'clock, 10 o'clock in the morning, slip in when it's midnight. Oh, you're not you're not hanging out with them in the stand? No, nope, we drop you off. Same thing with this. We'll take you to the tr- stand. I take you to the property. We put you in the tree, and you sit by yourself in the tree. We don't sit with you the whole time. Oh. Yep, yep. So, its I mean, it's a its a—it's a guided hunt, but it's not fully guided where we don't sit with you and tell you what to shoot. Yeah, it's, innocent, it's guided, self-guided, in a self-guided. Yes. I mean, you're doing all the work. We you do all the work, the... but we put you in I've the I've been tour. on hunts
1: like that, trust me. I mean, I've been on... Yeah,
2: now when you shoot a deer, I'm going to come back and I'm going to track it with you. I'm going to drag it out. I'm going to gut it. We're going to do all that. We're going to help you with all the processing of it. But the shooting part, we put you in the stand. You do all that on your own. Um, Obviously. Yeah. But, uh, you know... When we take people out there, we do three-day hunts and we do five-day hunts. So we also have a minimum on our stags. We do four-point minimum or better. So that's the only thing. Like, we're not there to watch you, what you're doing, but that's kind of an honor system. We have a $750 fine for anything smaller than a four-point stag. It doesn't matter how big it is, but just at least four points and you're fine. But as that happens, like... What, what would you bring to hunt with? Honestly, just your regular gear. Your archery gear, your muzzleloader gear, your rifle gear, whatever you're going to use. But where we hunt, it's pretty thick. Our feeders are 20 to 25 yards. You don't need a gun that's shooting a mile. You don't need to shoot a couple hundred yards. Normally, we tell our guys to be sighted in for 50 yards. Most of your shots are going to be pretty close. So you don't have to, and you don't want to shoot a gun that's shooting super fast because... These are small deer. You don't want to be blowing through them real quick. You want something that's going a little slower, a little better knockdown power, put a little bigger hole in them so that they bleed well. Because when they're in these marshes, if they run anywhere, the hardest thing is finding them. The blood in the water, it's so hard to track these deer. Really? Yeah. So I tell people all the time, the easy thing is seeing them and shooting them. Finding them is the hardest part. If you don't make a good shot and you don't get a lot of blood, you don't have a good blood trail, it's virtually impossible to find them. I mean, there's been times where I've had to trip over the deer in the water with waders on to find it, and all you see is maybe two or three inches of the brown hair sticking out of the water because it died in the water puddle. That's sick. I had a deer this year actually, so one of my clients, it was last light, big stag came in, he shot gun season with a muzzleloader, smoke cloud everywhere of course, and he couldn't see what happened. So I got over there, we're looking around for blood and I couldn't find blood, I couldn't find anything. So we assumed it was a miss. Well, the next day when we went in there, since it was daylight out, I said, you know what, let's go back in here and just double-check one last time. And sure enough, we found two little chunks of meat on the ground. Looked around a little bit. We finally were able to find the blood trail. And I'm walking the blood trail, and I look over in the ditch, and the deer's dead, completely submerged underwater in the ditch. The only thing sticking out, like I said, was a little bit of hair right on its hind quarter, just like two or three inches of hair. Was the meat still good? Yeah, it was cold enough out, and it was in the water like that. It was cold out. So, yeah, the meat was still fine. But... I mean, it, was, it died right there in the water. If it, was day, it wasn't daylight out, there's no way you would have found that deer. You know, you wouldn't have found that in the dark. You couldn't have seen it. Right. So sometimes it's pretty hard to find them in the marsh. Because, I mean, it's, like I said, this marsh, it's pretty unforgiving. I mean, there's the frag grass. Like I said, it's 12 foot tall. And there's some areas where it's as far as the eye can see for hundreds and hundreds of yards. That's all you walk through. You get cell service in there? Most spots, no cell service or very, very shady cell service. So,
1: say I'm in the stand, you set me up, I'm in the stand, I shoot one. Say I shoot one an hour after you drop me off. I gotta wait till nighttime?
2: No. So, most of our spots that we have guys hunting in, you are gonna have a little bit of cell service, enough to send me a text message. Oh. And, or what we'll do is, you know, I'll come up with a plan. When I get you to the property, I'm gonna ask you, hey, do you have cell service? And if you don't, We'll come up with a theory. Hey, at lunchtime, I'm going to drive by the property. If I see you standing on the side of the road, that means you shot a deer. And we'll go in there and we'll get it. You know, something like that to where if you don't have cell service, we'll work it out. If I drive by the property and I don't see you there, that means you're still in the woods hunting and I'm just going to leave you alone. Stuff like that. And they take their lunches
1: for the day? Yep,
2: they take their lunch for the day and all that stuff. And then we provide lodging and we provide dinners every night for clients. So we do all that stuff. So you... How you, they can you can see, you can hear or how how far when
1: uh, the how far can you see when you drop when you park okay. it, how far do you have to hike in
2: it, it it varies some stands you might be able to see it with an eyesight of the truck some stands might be five six hundred yards into the woods but all of our stands they have trails they have flagging they have markers so you know where to go. And it's pretty pretty self-explanatory. You're going to find your way to your stand. Oh, so you, I, I you don't sure. take
1: the first time, you don't walk them all the way in there?
2: Debate. Sometimes. Oh. There's, there's sometimes I will, but not everybody, no. You know, if you're capable and you have faith and I have faith in you that you can get there, I'm not going to walk in because here's my thing. The less in and out, the less pressure on the woods... The better the hunting. Oh yeah. yeah. If I if I have to walk in there with you and then walk out, that's more going in and out, in and out. If I just send you in and you go in and you sit and then you come out, that's only one time in, one time out. Yeah yeah. Less people, less pressure, the hunting just overall better then. So we try to keep the pressure as low as we can. If it's somebody that needs to be walked in, I will walk you in. You know what I mean? I'm going to accommodate everybody. We're there to we're there to make sure you have a good and enjoyable hunt. Right. So we're going to make sure you find your stand. If it's harder to find, I'm going to say, hey man. This is a harder stand. I'm going to walk with you today. And then tomorrow you'll know where you're going. So now tomorrow I don't have to walk with you.
1: Oh, and they sit the same stand.
2: For the most part, I, I'm very, very, um, I, I like to hunt. I, I, consistency kills deer. If it's a good stand and the conditions are right, you've got to hunt it over and over again. I mean, because you never know when they're going to come in, especially with the sick of deer. One day you could sit a stand and see 20 deer. The next day you could sit that same stand and see five deer. With the exact same conditions, so you never know what's going to show up and when they're going to show up. When if you go off a of, based off of cameras, you miss a lot of opportunity. You know, if you're playing it off camera, when you get that camera picture, you already missed your chance. Mm. He's already come and he's already gone. So it, if you really want to, you know, a lot of times, and with the sickadear, we're not we don't run a lot of cameras. I run a little bit of cameras, but we mainly run card cameras. I don't run cell cameras for them because
1: there's no service anyway. Yeah,
2: there's no service, and another thing is. With our minimum, you know, a four-point stag, it can be very big, but it can also be on a smaller end. And for somebody who's never killed a stag before, you're going to take the first legal stag you see. You know, you're not out, a lot of guys, they're not out there looking for the giant trophy stag. Anything's a trophy. For most guys, there's some guys that will hunt for 10, 15 years and never kill a six-point stag at all. Really? Yeah. So, like, for our outfitter, like, this year we killed 30 stags this year. All over four points or bigger. So, I mean, that, that's that's really good, you know what I mean? there's guys, locals, if you're hunting public land and, or your own private spot, there's guys that'll hunt for years and never kill a six-point stag. So, Do you
1: see a lot of six-pointers?
2: Oh, tons, yeah, yeah. Oh. Tons of six-pointers. What's the biggest one? Uh, six, six points. I mean, the biggest a stag will get is eight points. Oh. But that's very rare. It's very rare to find an eight-point stag. We told, one of our clients told us this year that he did see an eight-point stag and missed it, but... That's as much as we were told. We never saw it ourselves. right? And hey. one of our properties, I found a deadhead that had seven points on it. So, like I said, they are out there, and there are very big stags like that. But typically, they max out at about six points. So your big, big six points, big top hooks, big bottom hooks, that's a big, mature six-point stag. But What was varies. the one you got this year? I shot a six-point. Oh, that one, because yep. he
1: was a big motherfucker. Oh,
2: yeah, it was a nice one. Yep. So, I shot oh, a nice six. Stupid. So when you're hunting public,
1: for yourself, stick up. It's completely different, right?
2: Yeah. Like when I hunt, so again, now when I hunt on private, we use feeders. On public land, you cannot bait in Maryland. So on public land, it's a different story. Oh. We're hunting trails and transition areas from bedding to food sources, and that's where I do a lot of my calling. So on on private, when you're hunting a feeder, you let the feeder do the calling. But on public, when you're hunting trails, that's when you really break out the call and you do some mewing and bugling and you try to spark their interest. Because like I said they're heard. And, and
1: when you're doing it on your own in public, you're up walking in the dark.
2: Yeah, yeah. I go in there in the dark and I might hike in a couple miles to some spots and I take the saddle set up and I go in there and set up and a lot of times I'll set up for the day if I if I have all day I'll sit all day. But you know, if not, I'll hunt morning or evening or whatever, whenever I have the time. So what are you looking for? Heavy trails, oh, heavy trails and transitions. And, the, the, from, and from, you
1: know, and there's plenty of trees to get in,
2: eh, not not all the time. There a lot of times you're in the marsh, you're in the dead trees in the frag, and I mean there's a lot of dead pines, a lot of very sketchy small trees to hunt out of, but that's sometimes where the best spots are. Oh, so but I mean you're getting between you know like again their food sources a lot of times acorns, so like that. So you might find an oak flat, and you find some frag and some marsh that's off the side of that. And you'll get in between the two things, get on some heavy trails. And I like to just get on a bunch of trails, like five, six, seven trails that intersect, and just get in there and do some calling. But the biggest thing with the calling is you get a lot of guys that they don't really know what they're doing with the calling. you got to practice at home, you know what I mean? Like You can't just go out there. It's just like turkey hunting. It's just like anything else that you call for. You've got to sound good for it to work. If you're just going out there and just blowing on the call and it doesn't sound great, it's not going to be very effective. Mm. But if you sit at home and you practice and you, 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 you master your call, calling can be a very effective tool for sick of deer. Yeah, well that's fucking dope. Yeah. So you're working a lot harder then. Yeah, yeah, so it's definitely. See, so you, When you're
1: doing an all day thing, in and dark, out and dark.
2: Yep, a lot of times, if I, if I hunt all day, if I have the time. Now with me, these days with guiding, I don't have a lot of time for all day sits. It's like an evening sit or a morning sit, whatever I can fit in my day. But, um, but, yeah, if I'm going in for, like, if I have the time that I want to hunt, I'm going to go in there and sit all day long and hunt all day. Cause, like. And said, you, and little, you're wearing waders the whole time? I wear hip boots normally. Most oh. of my spots I wear hip waders, so they go up to my waist. I don't wear the full chest waders normally, but uh, it depends on the spot I'm going into. I've Being a local, I've learned a lot of spots that I can get into. I get, at, yeah. Yeah, I, I get to scout a lot, so it's a lot different. That's what I was saying. You were saying if it's somebody coming from out of state that doesn't know what they're doing, you better be prepared for everything because you don't know what you're going to walk into. And if you go in during late season and it's cold out and you go in there and you get wet, it's miserable. You might as well just go home. the other thing is, like, early season, the mosquitoes, if you're going to come down, you better bring a thermosel or two or three. Oh, The mosquitoes are so bad, you've never seen nothing like it before. They'll but, carry you away, for real. Really? And the thermocell works champ? Yeah, the thermocell works champ, but, like, normally I use at least one sometimes i'll use two thermocells at one time that's really? how bad that's how bad they can be yeah it's, really? it's insane. september and october the mosquitoes are nasty it's definitely it, it, it's wild man you got to come see it sometimes what's the best months to hunt them? well their rut is in october so like for me for public land hunting september and october is when i like to be out there that's when the calling is most effective but late season like january is also very good you get really if you, if we get cold weather which this year we had very cold weather we got ice we got snow which for the eastern shore for us to get snow is rare we got a couple inches of snow that was awesome we got some ice that was even better and that stuff will make the deer move around more it'll push them out of the marsh they don't like the ice they're not used to that stuff so to push them into the dry ground more another thing is late season a lot of guys have given up there's not as many people in the woods Beginning of the season, everybody's gung ho everybody wants to be out there, everybody's hitting it hard, so you deal with a lot more hunting pressure. So, I like late season a lot, but I also like early season a lot. All year is good, and now, with our outfitting business, we had great success all through the season. All year long, we had very, very good success. I mean, our last hunt of the year, that was the last week of January, I had five guys in camp, three out of five guys shot, had shots. All of them missed, but three guys shot, so... Can't do nothing about that, right?
1: And, and what kind of blinds are they in, or are mainly, all tree
2: stands? Not all tree stands. Mainly ladder stands and ground blinds. Oh, is the is mostly what we use? Single man ladder stands, and then like double bull ground blind stuff like that, like pop up like a tent blind, is mainly what we use. But we do have some box blinds. We also have some double man ladder stands. We also have some lock-ons. So for people to hang out, do you ever two
1: people ever go together?
2: We do at times, not a lot. Like, we don't really do, like, a visitation thing because in camp we have a lodge and we don't really have a lot of spare room to just let, like, guests come and hang out. But we do sometimes, like, if there's two people that come hunting together and they want to sit together or if it's, like, father-son type of deal, like, we do youth hunts as well. So, like, if uh, if kids are coming hunting, we put, like, a father and a son and double stand together and stuff like that.
1: Oh, so, well, dude, just by saying public and the outfitter deal – My choice would definitely be the outfitter, you know what I mean? I would just totally want to come. Dude, we meet up or pick us up at the airport or however you guys do it. Take me to the lodge. Yep. Show me my quarters. Let me get set up. Yep. Feed me some meals and take me out there. Hunting and all you got to do is shoot straight.
2: Right. Yep. And that's the thing, it's nice. Like I said, if you're somebody... And needs, you guys don't supply the, uh, the mucks or... Uh, no, like I said, you, gotta, yeah, you just got to bring at least muck boots, you know, knee-high boots, so you can go in a little bit of water, because there are going to be puddles. Because that's what Californians don't know
1: that fucking yeah, term, so, so,
2: yeah, you are going to have some mud, and you are going to have some puddles. So you do need boots, like rubber boots, that at least go up to your knee. Other than that, your regular gear is good. And the thermos, like I said, for bugs... The bugs and the knees, like the knee boots, that's really the main thing that you got to worry about. Other than that, it's your regular hunting gear that you'd bring. Everything else, we take care of
1: it. Right yeah. on, dude. That is sick. And, and then branded outdoors, dude. Yeah. If you guys are looking for a sick animal deer hunt, dude, hit these guys up,
2: dude. Yeah. And like I said, too, another thing it's like what we're going to try to do a little bit of early season, like September and October, we just got a bow fishing boat. So we have a lot of snakeheads, gar, catfish, carp, stingrays, all in the area where we're at. So we're going to try to do some trips where you go out and you go out deer hunting and then go out bow fishing at night. Oh! Same with the springtime with turkey hunting. Our turkey hunts, we're going to go turkey hunting in the morning. And we're going to go bow fishing at night. Oh, that's dope, yep. dude. So we'll go out there and we'll do all types of stuff. So that's kind of what I was so saying. So is going to
1: be a combo deal or you guys are just throwing that well, in there?
2: Well, it'll be like you don't have it. You can sign it up as a combo thing. Like we'll do the turkey hunt in the morning and then the, the the bow fishing trip will be like an add-on at night if you wanted to do it. Whatever, you know what I mean? It's not a combination. It's not combined right now. But it's stuff where we can add that together if you want to do that. And how many people get to go on the boat on too? On the boat, it's up to six people on the boat. Oh. Yep. So we do like an hourly we do 5 hours we do 8 hours 5 hours I believe is I believe it's 900 or $1000 for 5 hours and then for 8 hours it's around 11 $1, or 1200 for 8 hours but that's up to six people so you can uh, split that six ways we recommend four people cuz you get more shooting but you can go up to six. Mm. But, yeah, that's going to be really fun, man. But and like you guys said, supply all, all the rigs? We supply everything for that. The bows, the reels, the rigs, the arrows, everything. All you do is come on the boat and you shoot. All you got to do is you have fishing shoot. license
1: or what? What do you need on for that? On the
2: boat, you only need a fishing license. We cover that on the boat, too.
1: Oh, everything
2: all-inclusive? Yep. yep. If you go out on a deer hunt, yes, you need your Right. Oh, license. Yeah. But on the bow fishing boat, it is all inclusive. You just come out there and you shoot fish. Only thing I would say to bring is a cooler, so you can put your snakeheads in at the end of the day because the snakeheads are very tasty. Oh, I oh, yeah. want to eat them. Hey,
1: and, and you guys, uh, you process them? Yeah, we'll fillet them.
2: We'll fillet the snakeheads for the guys too at the end of the night. Yep.
1: And then, what? We'll, well, you guys throw them in a ziploc? Yeah.
2: Well, yeah, exactly. We have ziplocs. We'll throw fillet your fillets in a ziploc. I mean, we're not gonna skin them and clean them and wash them for you, but yeah, I'll I'll fillet them and debone them and then we. Well, I'm talking about for people that are flying though. Oh, well, yeah. I mean, if you're flying, we can package them up and put them in the freezer and stuff at the lodge, all that oh, stuff, and oh. get them all packaged away. Yeah. yeah. If you're coming out on a trip like that, yes, we can freeze them up. We can package them, vacuum, seal them, do the whole nine yards for that type of stuff. Now, granted, we don't get a lot of guys coming in like that. But when we do have people that are going to do that, we'll make sure you're taken care of. And you guys got a website, too? Yeah. The best thing to do is Facebook, but we also do have a website And, well. and
1: they got Instagram, too?
2: Yep. Branded Outdoors all the way around okay. for all those things. Hell, yeah, yep.
1: dude. I appreciate yep. you coming over here, dude. Yeah, it's a wild, wild edge boot, dog. I appreciate you Long having time me Long time over coming, it. Yeah, dude. It yeah, you broke me off some knowledge, hey. and I'm sure a lot of people, uh, yeah. Check out this guy, Sean. You'll check him out. He'll lead you uh, in the right direction, dude. And check yeah. out Branded Outdoors, dude.
2: Yeah, can't wait to see you down in Maryland, bro.
1: Right on, man. I appreciate right. you, my dude. Yeah.
2: You. Thanks, everybody. See you again.
0: Yeah. <laughs>